0: Hello and welcome to True Crime Diary, in which we look at the annals of True Crime to find events that happened on This Week in History. I'm your host, Mark Decano, and with me are my friends, Jed Lester. right, And Rue Turner. Hello. We want your reviews. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review and preferably five stars, and if not, you can also email a review to stuff at truecrimediary.co.uk. And in appreciation of every five-star review, we will give you a shout-out in a future episode. So the date we're looking at this week is the 24th of October, and on this date in 1983, Dennis Nilsson went to trial on six counts of murder and two of attempted murder, while Nilsen himself had confessed to at least 15 murders and seven attempted murders, making him at the time one of Britain's most prolific serial killers.
1: This is where the fun begins.
2: Yeah. It's a bit bit more serious, this... um, I mean, they've all been serious, I suppose, but it's a uh infamous true crime so it's kind of technically we should perhaps have it on our yes,
0: roster within our remit and of course this is a little bit more in terms of when we talked about uh death they were quite rightly a long time ago This is a bit more recent and obviously some people
2: or families are uh, still alive
0: so we're going to treat it as best as we can with the respect that we can and um we'll see how we get on yeah
2: it's, it's definitely a um i would say well in uk terms if you're talking about serial killing, he would be mentioned in the most infamous five, top five, or something. I would say. Yeah,
1: hmm. yeah, yeah. If you if you held him in your top trump deck, you'd be on a winning hand.
2: Right? Yeah. <laughs> Who else would be in it? Uh, Shipman. Shipman be the number one, uh, I guess. Sutcliffe. Yeah. Um, by the way, that's Harold Shipman and Peter Sutcliffe. Yorkshire Ripper um, and Jack the and Jack the,
1: yeah, of course,
2: yeah. Um, the are there any more?
0: Um, Brady and Hindley,
1: yeah, Brady and Hindley.
2: So there you go. I mean, we've struggled to make it five, but anyway, he, he, he'd, he'd well be up in there, it, yeah. wouldn't
0: he? Yeah, top trumps were came out in 1978,
2: did they? Yeah, well, they were a lot <laughs> <old>. just the <laughs> year no. he
0: started his uh, I had screen,
1: um. I
0: think it was part of his sort of branding image. <laughs> yeah, they, they, surely there's a tie in there somewhere.
2: Well, I had
1: cars,
2: and possibly dinosaurs.
0: Yeah, everyone I had dinosaurs. I had uh, I had Universal Monsters. Oh yeah, top oh top yes, two. I
2: remember that one. Yeah, yeah, I had drag races. Yeah, oh yeah, I, f- I remember that drag race. I had uh, pickup trucks. Was right. one,
0: I think, or trucks certainly. That's what the kids like, trucks.
1: Yeah. I had more recently the um, new humanist God Trumps. I okay, think that's fun. drawing
0: a line under that conversation.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Early life, Dennis Nielsen was a, a very uh, boisterous young man, right up until his uh, grandfather died, and then he became quite introverted. So he started out as a normal, happy kid. There was one episode in his life where he almost drowned, and this is only from his own recollection that he uh, started to... At the beginning, he started to resist, obviously, but then he came, kind of became okay with it, which is a bit weird. But he survived. Yeah, when his grandfather died, he was very close to, he became quite introverted, quite quiet, withdrawn.
1: I, um, I heard that when he was younger, he never really had any physical contact with anybody. Nobody hugged him or kissed him or loved him in any way other than his grandfather
0: yeah, his his father was a Norwegian... from Norway. Yeah, he right. was in the army, right? So he was quite sort of standoffish, and he wasn't really didn't pay him much attention, or or to his mother didn't pay her too much attention
1: either. <laughs> and the way he he found out about his grandfather was probably not the nicest way, in that he was just said, "Oh, do you want to see your granddad?" And he thought, "Oh, lovely." Yeah. Well, He's in the living room. Didn't... So he just walks in the living room, and there's a box on the table. Mm. With his grandfather in it.
2: Oh, right. What, what do you mean? He died. Oh, right. So, so <laughs> yeah. there was no, like, so he obviously knew him and, so your granddad, and loved yeah. him and yeah, grew up with him.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was his best buddy. But there the was no announcement, by the way, he's died. It's just... Uh, no. Yeah, do you want to see your grandfather? He's in the living room. He's in a box. Yeah. And he may not have seen a dead body before. Oh,
2: we're not talking about ashes. No. Great. It's an open box in the living room. Good start. Nice.
1: Mm. Thanks, Mum.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: When he was young, he started in the Army cadets and then he eventually he managed to join the Army. In um, 1961, he joined the Army Catering Corps at all the shop for training. And mm-hmm. he said that that was the happiest time of his life. While he was there, he, he always bathed alone. He didn't shower with other guys because he started to confront his uh, urges at that point. So he always bathed oh, in, okay. you know, separately. Oh, okay. In
2: case it in
0: case he, showed. Yeah. In case it okay. showed his right. excitement. Yeah. Am I pleased to see you or did I just put a canoe in my pocket? He spent three years in the Catering Corps and then in '64 he passed his, his catering exams and he joined the 1st Battalion Royal Fusiliers and he was posted to Osnabrück in Germany where he started to drink heavily as one of the lads.
1: So it's probably worth pointing out that when he was in the Catering Corps he became very skilled at butchery.
2: Well yeah, he was very Perhaps very good a at it. That's his keen thing. Yeah. You
1: know, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: so he started, he's, he's been cooking, he's getting good at butchery, he's starting to drink quite heavily. He's facing his, starting to face his urges, and he's isolating himself a little as well, okay? So he's starting to form a personality there. In 1967, he was deployed to Aden, which at the time was like a British protectorate, I guess, Um state of Aden, and it's sort of in the southern part of Saudi Arabia.
3: Oh, is it? Yeah. Um,
0: I've heard of that. He uh, became a cook at a prison there. He had his own room, but he, used to, he started. To, this is where he started to um, get his like fantasies and things about the, his his colleagues, think about them in ways perhaps he felt he shouldn't. And there was an incident with a taxi driver while he was there as well, where the, he was uh, assaulted and he basically fought back and kicked the crap out of him, <laughs> essentially,
2: mm-hmm. yeah. Um, he didn't try, he'd never strike me as a powerful person, physically.
0: mm. He'd no, just, well, he had, mean, he'd had military training, so he had oh, a okay. reasonable basic level of fitness.
2: Well, you, you would get that even if you were immediately uh, joining the catering?
0: you yeah. still got to do basic training.
2: Do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. So he... I mean, he just doesn't look no. in No, he any looks kind of weedy, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, even in some of the tales of... Not tales... Um, Actual incidents of murders and overpowering people. I, I always add in the kind of really some of the because mm. because I've got the, my visualization of him. Exactly.
0: I mean, he's not a heavily built fellow, and bear in mind that when he was arrested, when he came to the you know the image that we would have seen, that was he'd been out of the army for a decade.
2: So. The are you talking about the. Well, just the classic kind of mug shots, be- bedraggled, yeah. with his glasses, and I mean that does And he was like a that. drinker
1: as well, yeah. which yeah. would have taken its toll. Yeah, and it doesn't take long to lose yeah. that kind of fitness, really. No.
0: Well, look at me. <laughs> um, so he redeployed <laughs> to uh, Plymouth, where he joined the Argyle and Sutherland Highlanders, and then he went to Cyprus in '69, and then on to Berlin. So he's well travelled, mm. and he finally ended his military career in '72 after 11 years. He was a corporal, wasn't he, in the end? Yes. Yeah, corporal. So, you know, it wasn't uh, inauspicious, his, his yeah.
2: career in the army. So he came out. The, right, so he came out of the army. He came out of the, the army, turned home. How old, how old was he, sorry?
0: So he would have been about 27. Okay, fine. He came out of the army, he went home. and To d- Scotland? Yes. And then uh, that's the time when his brother outed him to his parents. As a uh, homosexual.
3: Alright, gay.
0: Oh, right, okay. So, you know, there was a, a flare up within the family, and the brother outed him to the parents. The parents, were, there was a big fight, and uh, Nielsen basically left and didn't really talk to the family again. Ever? So, uh, pretty much, yeah. Okay, yep. Uh, he left for London, and that's where he joined the police. It didn't really work out for him, no, because he found that his lifestyle. Which was heavy drinking, and he started to visit like gay bars and things. Mm -hmm. Didn't really fit in with his line of work. Yeah, so so it didn't work very well. So he resigned from the police. I mean,
2: he he wasn't exactly a bobby, was he? Well, he was a beat cop up, yeah. But oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Really?
0: Yeah. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yep. Um, But obviously not for long. I mean, talking a few months here. Yep. Uh, he left there and he became a security guard for a while. And then in May of '74, he got a job with the civil service working in job centres, mm. where he remained up until his arrest.
1: The job centre would have given him plenty of good opportunities to find his victims. A lot, of, yeah, a you know, lot of
0: most of them were transient. Weren't they?
2: True, yeah. Even so, true. you're dead right. I mean, yeah. the amount of people in. I don't, obviously, I don't know what he actually did in the job centre, but if he was one of the people who sat at a desk mm. when people gave you a card yeah. <laughs> yeah. to say... And,
1: and he even remarked to his boss at the job centre, it would be really easy for someone working here to find someone without roots, as he put it, and knock them off. True. Knock them
2: off. Mm. Mm. So it
1: wasn't just Clearly, he was thinking about it. You mm-hmm. know.
0: True enough. 1975 he's living at Melrose Avenue in Cricklewood, which is North London that's when he met David McGillahan. they moved in together so he started to have a relationship it started quite well but it became strange because uh, Dennis Nielsen because he was the the breadwinner basically he was the one working and, and um, Gallaghan wasn't working he was like lo- looking after the house he was being the home take care, caretaker K-taker, the homemaker
1: yeah. he was actually homeless I think till they started going out wasn't it yeah and he just took him in
0: yeah he literally brought him in like a stray dog. He was basically yeah. stayed at home. Yeah. But he kind of bullied him, you know. So, yeah, it didn't. It started quite well, but it went downhill with all the bullying. I don't like bullies. I don't care where they're from. Um, so they were there together for about two years. And then, and then Gallagher moved out.
3: Does this mean we're not friends anymore?
0: And then Nilsson had a string of more foul relationships for about a year and a half. And then... Uh, he, and, and over that time, he became more introverted, drinking more, he, self-pitying. He, t- he said that he felt that at that time he was unfit to live with. So, he, again, he's getting it's lonelier right. and lonelier. Yeah, <laughs> quite right, yeah. He's lonelier and lonelier. He's pitying himself, more drinking. So he's spiraling downhill until ultimately um, in 1978, he starts finding people who will stay with him by whatever means necessary. Okay.
1: We all get a bit like that when we're on our own for a while, don't we? Not me. <laughs> <laughs> I love it on my no, own. But like if, if, you spend, my uh, if you spend a great deal of time on your own, I mean, uh, you tend to kind of, you, you cycle your own behaviours and you end up yeah. reinforcing the simple behaviours that you have. Yeah. And if you have no other social inputs in order to correct your behaviours, you can end up... True. I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that we all end up killing people if we were left at home alone for a long time. Well, glad but, uh, to clarify. Not <laughs> all of us i one not put the toilet seat down you know he <laughs> yeah, might not after a
2: while fully secure the ketchup uh, <laughs> lid yeah well your requirements become quite specific yeah. basically more sorry more and more specific yeah. as the weeks go by I suppose and he so hang on had he when he went his little spiral yeah. down had had that chap moved out.
0: Yes Right Okay He moved out in 77 And between Sort of mid 77 And uh, December 1978 Elvis um, died Yeah He uh,
2: I wonder if it was connected
0: To The final straw
2: Elvis died And Star Wars came out Um, Um, One up One down Yeah Yeah. And vice versa
1: The universe is in balance again
2: (laughs) But Despite that There was a spiral There
1: was a spiral Yeah
2: which well, broken
1: work. up from probably at that point the greatest love of his life, certainly the longest relationship he's ever had.
2: Yes, was it lo- was it love love of his life?
1: To him, perhaps.
2: It was well, was I like having a pet?
1: I mean, if he didn't, if he sort of, yeah, if he fell out with you, he'd probably stick you under the floorboards. But mm.
0: well, it's it's one of those situations where he hasn't had anything else really. Yeah. So you you know when that you've got something only that's your only you know identify that
2: this is sad very sad only between
0: 1978 december 1978 and january of 1983 um is when Nilsson went, went on his uh, spree
2: we're talking 78 to 83 yeah I I, th- I think of that time period as being the the exact time period of being a new romantic. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's got nothing to do with it. I mean, Seventy-eight. Oh, hang on, it's the new romantics to blame. Yeah, the,
0: I, um, yeah I think of uh, American TV shows. Saturday night. Yeah, that's that's you know that's when I like watch what? Chips and and. Uh, <laughs>
2: And we're talking time period, we're not yeah, talking yeah. blame. No, of
0: course, I blame the California <laughs> 78 Highway. 78
2: to 83. I, I immediately think of. When, forget about anything that would. the subject matter. I immediately think of just the span of new romanticism. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in fact, that covers your your so called best day of your life, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 1979. 1979. Best Christmas ever. Go on then. Tell tell the listeners the best day of (laughs) your life well that
0: that was the year I got um, I remember sitting at home and I remember three gifts I got for Christmas I got a Lego castle Oh yeah. I got uh, a portable record player and I got um, the original vinyl of Jeff Wayne's musical version of the War of the Worlds (laughs) and I spent my Christmas day (laughs) building a castle while listening to the War of the Worlds Mm. on my portable record player and it was the best day of my life to this day.
2: Fact. I suppose the only thing that would connect you, not connect you to the murders, but the, but um, <laughs> <laughs> is your uh, War of the Worlds thing, is Dennis Nielsen's fan of Fanfare of the Common Man, <laughs> which is Emerson, Lake, and yeah. Palmer. It's a bit disco y, actually, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. Go- so does War of the Worlds. gets a bit disco y. Yeah, uh, uh, well, yeah, does it? I mean, yeah,
0: it was still the 70s.
2: I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, that's heart to heart. It's got. That's it. That's it, yeah, yeah. Whereas Fanfare of the Common Man is. Oh, yeah. It's great, it's really good. What do you so early eighties? What do you think of in the early eighties?
1: I spent most of the eighties in the pottery room at school. Locked Pot- in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I might Potting. as well have been. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Potting. Most and of the eighties. <laughs> yeah.
2: Rock and roll. I bet you watched the film Ghost and thought, "Oh, they're going about it all." Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Don't sit behind What's he her. Doing? <laughs> what are you doing? Sitting behind her. It all ended. Like tears. Lionel Richie. No, no, that's a. That's a, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> that's a different video. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it was isn't it yeah, that's a, yeah
0: with the same inflection yeah, yeah 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 excellent now he claimed to police when he was arrested that he killed 15 or 16 people that's according to him then 10 years later he said that wasn't true mm. because the police said that they believed he'd killed 12 people and he said that yeah it was probably 12 people because he made the
1: other 3 up yeah, it was to fit with their narrative. But I thought, well, they they, they haven't got a narrative at this point.
0: <laughs> well, no, the narrative they have is the one that he gave them. Yeah. So when
1: um, when he
0: was arrested, and they put him in the car. And they basically the conversation went something along the lines of, um, he was asked um, regarding the bodies that they the, the remains that they found, is this one body or two? And he said fifteen or sixteen. That's where the fifteen or sixteen mm. came from, because he just said it in the car. Mm. And then later on, he said that he he stuck to that number because he wanted he wanted it to be like uh, he didn't want to start throwing out the, the narrative. So if
2: he changed changed his story,
0: then that would seem that he wasn't the
2: there. narrative of what that he was a
1: accomplished serial killer.
0: Well, no, if he said it's 15 today and then tomorrow he says, oh, actually it's 12, then he's already changing his story, yeah. isn't
1: he? Mm. He doesn't want to be accused of being inconsistent. Yeah. I don't know I what I mean, you he, can call him anything, but don't call <laughs> him inconsistent. I don't know yeah. what
2: he was trying to convey. Was he trying to say, ooh, look, look at me, kind of...
0: No, I don't think so because I get the impression that it was everything was kind of matter of fact to him. So the right. the, mm. the the point where he he was because, because he was, was prompted there and then yeah. and he gave a response. He then felt he had to stick to that answer even though he knew that it wasn't accurate. So he basically filled in the gap.
2: Had it become um whatever 15 16, mm. you know, kind of mm. that kind of blase Yeah, probably or or yeah. is it more meaning less calculating
0: well he, the thing is he bearing in mind he only knew all these people for, for a few hours at a time he didn't hardly remember any of their names even oh, okay. some of them were never identified
2: so it would be more clouded
0: yeah so he's saying 15 or 16 he's pretty much guessing off the top of his head so when later on he said well actually it was probably 12 but he didn't want to change it because again he doesn't want to be seen to be inconsistent Oh, okay. It was right, only, right. in fact so he was arrested in eighty three. In nineteen ninety two, is when he said that he made up the other three.
2: Took. I mean, obviously five years is obviously a quite a long time. And for the sake of argument, twelve mm. m- murdered men are quite a lot. Yeah. Um. What, it, it, there was no. I mean, you know, they didn't. He was not caught up with basically um, for a long no. time. No. Because of what? The uh, um, homelessness um, percentage of, I don't know, homeless victims who therefore were perhaps not in the system, so to speak?
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, the the, the pool that he drew from was largely uh, homosexual or transient or, you know, st- students who are visiting London, they've got no... The the, the ability to yeah, no fixed abode. The ability to track them, or or in in fairness, in the in the times, the will to track them, yeah, just wasn't Mm. wasn't there. Because
2: I don't think it was a. um, It doesn't appear that it was a planned, calculating. Right, I've done this, and now I'll do this. I'll do this to cover up that. I'll therefore so that no one finds me doing this. I'll do. That it's just he just kind of it appears from my low uh, (laughs) knowledge of it all that he just kind of did it, and people he just was not bothered. uh, People didn't bother him, and Mm. because, as you say, it's it's. I suspect it was born out of the fact that his victims were not uh, well; they were homeless and. Um I don't know how to describe it. Um
1: I suppose they were already missing at the point that yeah. he killed them. So they can't be lost if you're already yeah. missing. Yeah. You know. Especially in the system. Yeah. Mm. And there's not really a system, there's no centralized system. Again,
2: no. i am sure I've said this but before, the in other on in other our, our episodes, it, it would never happen today.
1: Um
2: the equivalent no. of It's a golden
1: age for serial killing. <laughs> Because the disconnectedness of like, police forces, there was no central database, really. Yeah. If a crime was committed in one town, it wouldn't be known about in another town. And I mean, it's really what helped Bundy as well, wasn't it? Is that There was no connection between forces. You could commit yeah. crimes all over the place and they would never get joined and together. And they'd be treated
2: as separate... Yeah. Uh, ...incidents in separate regions? Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: Well,
0: I mean arguably even today how many missing persons are are just are simply missing and are not victims of somebody or something i
2: mean
0: i don't know we don't know it's a it's it's dependent on how how much a person is integrated into the system
2: Mm.
0: you know if you are trans even if you get on a train and you go somewhere if you don't make it to the destination you are a missing person but that doesn't Mm. mean that you weren't a victim of something
1: i mean even today um the ONS says that there's 180,000 missing persons reported every year in the UK, mm. in the UK alone. Yeah. yeah, so I mean that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. is that because they want
0: to be missing or they've got amnesia, exactly. yeah. the classic, or they've had an accident, they're in hospital, they're in coma, or they've someone's victim or yeah. they're under somebody's floorboards or Yeah. Um I don't know the answer to that. No, no. Or most of them.
2: and it was all I'm um, sure you're coming on to this but the cuz it was like oh and he and he was stashed under his floorboards for it's like what well, what do you mean he was just stashed under his floorboards it's it's it do you know what i mean it was like it um he kind of just went about this Dennis Nielsen, just went about his business and carried on and oh and I'll just yeah very much as that. opposed to this devious plan and well thought out i don't think any of it was thought out i think no, that's, that's the what point I mean. yeah yeah, he, yeah at no the era it at the time the era enabled him to carry on and yeah do whatever
0: again i mean pic- picture the scene broadly speaking he goes to uh, he's he's off the map he goes to gay bar or or you know or a club or whatever he meets someone they go back to his for a drink. While he's there, he suddenly decides he's going to kill them. No one's looking for this person. No one knows where this person's gone. There's no
2: phone to track. Yeah, There's he's no not tracking
0: on GPS or anything. No. He, and then, you know, the guy can do what he likes now. He's got the body. He can put it under the floor. it no, has got no visitors. He lives in on his own. Yes. No one's no, going around.
2: No one. The The friends or family of the person who's come back to the flat has absolutely no clue that that person obviously yeah. is there. He's now they ultimately they would be presumably reported as missing but um the at no point would he be connected to oh yeah he went off with a bloke called Dennis Neil you know yeah. and he lives at yeah exactly wouldn't that? so it's a whatever rabbit's warren of never ending you're never gonna find him
0: yeah exactly this is why
2: you should always tell people where you are and where you go. Okay then.
0: Alright. Remember that kids. <laughs> so in December 1978 um, he met Stephen Holmes who was aged 14 um, and he strangled him with a tie um, in his home and until he was unconscious and drowned him in a bucket. Um,
1: was, was he the chap who had literally that day arrived from the north on a train yes yeah Yeah. so the very first day that he arrived in London he was killed we met him at Euston yeah. station I think gosh
3: yeah
0: 14 years old he thought Nilsson thought he was a bit older he thought he was like 17 which is, doesn't make it great but having killed him he washed his body and stored him under the floorboards which is the beginning of a pan that he did but we also uh, he disinterred him from under the floorboards multiple times in order to be with him now Stephen was not identified as a victim until 2006 when Nilsson himself um, identified him from a photo in October of 79 there's a student named Andrew Ho now he uh, Nilsson attempted to strangle him but he got away he fled to the police but he didn't want to press charges so obviously no subsequent investigation with this this is again this is a scenario of homosexual yeah it's kind of there you know it, it's pushed aside he didn't
2: press charges because he was mindful of not being taken serious at the time or
0: yeah or or even further of being not know, believed persecuted, even oh right sorry yeah right, okay
2: so that was the end of that so there was no like hmm. a note made that there was an, an alleged assault at the address of no. blah 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 right no. okay and
0: this was his second attack in December 79, he meets student Kenneth Ockenden. Now, uh, he was around Nilsson's house listening to music and Nilsson strangled him with the headphones that he was listening to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> December 1979. <laughs> yeah, quite right. <laughs> um,
0: and then having killed Kenneth, he then sat with him and listened, carried on listening to the music. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Sorry, I'm trying
0: uh, to make light of this. He, <laughs> well, he also... Uh, oh, He also um, sat with Kenneth and watched TV, the the late Kenneth, repeatedly over a period of time. He bought a Polaroid camera and took Polaroids of his body posed in various situations. Uh, In May 1980, Martin Duffy, 16, uh, was taken home for a meal and he strangled him while he was asleep until he was unconscious and then drowned him in the sink. Again, bathed him, sat with him in a chair between june and december of 80 there were five more victims including david sullivan who was 26 and four who were not identified and then in december of that year Nielsen decided to uh, have a bonfire in the back garden of melrose because um, obviously there's getting a lot of bodies building up in the house in mm. various states of uh, either stored under the floorboards or having been dissected and put around the house
3: it's getting very
0: they're starting to decompose. The smell would have been overpowering. Mm, yeah. So he decides to have a bonfire. Um, I don't
1: think he had ever any more than six at Melrose under mm, the floor. Yeah. Because I just didn't have the room for it.
0: Exactly. He's put body parts and cadavers all over the place. So he has a bonfire. He wants to disguise the smell, so he puts a tire on the bonfire. So the smell of burning uh, rubber will cover the smell that'd of that. Probably
2: burning. work. I mean, would it be because because it fits rotting corpses? It wouldn't be like
1: barbecue smell, would it, or not? Yeah, you'd expect fresh human to smell anything, maybe like pork. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, but but it would smell... Decomposing flesh probably smells
2: rather different. So it would have been pretty horrible anyway, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, there would have been
0: a combination, I assume, of either the the rotting smell, the, the decomposition,
2: and burning meat, ultimately. But the tyre was probably quite, but from you would point have of view, it's used probably sp- quite a good idea. Yeah, it would
0: have mostly just a smell of burning rubber, which would have been quite powerful.
2: Also, people people used to burn tyres basically yeah. didn't they <laughs> well, yeah. god knows yeah. why but that used to be a kind of thing didn't yeah. it, it just over the heath you'd always find yeah, a burning couple of tyres it's like what well, on earth who burns tyres but anyway it's yeah I yeah. mean he chose the right even the Simpsons has a burning
0: has had a burning tyre fire pyre since it began
2: <laughs> burning tyre pyre um what, sorry, what year are we at? This is December 1980. So we're... First uh, of this bonfires. Yes, exactly. So we're years off anywhere being caught or anything like that. Yep. Meaning, you know, no one r- raised any... Yeah. suspicion.
0: Yeah. So we're, down, we're now uh, nine attacks in. Yeah. In, in a year. So between January and April of eighty-one is three more uh, victims who are not identified. And then September the seventeenth in eighty-one there's uh, Malcolm Barlow. Now Malcolm he was outside Dennis Nelson's house, um, and he was uh, weak because he was taking epilepsy meds that um, it, was, it was it was they were powerful meds and he was feeling quite weak. Nielsen saw him outside the house and met
2: him. He just happened to be standing. He was literally just out, or Yeah, he was
0: re- resting outside his house. Right. So Nilsson took him took him home to, to, to Barlow's. Do you want a hand, mate? Are you all right? Yeah. yeah he right, took him okay. back to Barlow's house. He took him to home. He didn't take yep. him inside. He took him to his home. He called an ambulance. Yep. And saw him get to the hospital.
2: Forging a mild relationship, kindly relationship. Yeah.
3: Whoever you are, I've always depended on the kindness of strangers.
0: And then the next day... Malcolm Barlow went back to Nielsen's house to say thank you. Thanks very much,
2: yeah, yeah. And he killed him. Right, okay. And it, this was... It, Dennis <laughs> Nielsen, well, it was a house, was it? It, it wasn't was a house, yeah. yeah. It was like a...
1: And it was. A, I think it was only him that had access to the garden as well, wasn't it? it was yes. Sort of a, quite a large garden area.
2: Yeah,
0: so he had garden to use for burning, and he had uh, floorboards to, for storing.
2: Meaning there was no... It wasn't a flat in the sense of, you know, obvious suspicion of... I mm. was going, what's that smell? But
0: yeah well uh, that and, but that was his last chance because shortly after that because the landlord wanted to make renovations right um Nilsen had to move out and that's when he moved to muswell hill to cranley gardens and now now the, the new place he was saying was an attic flat so he had no floorboard access right, yeah, he had yeah. no garden
2: so he obviously um presumably uh, what, when did he move out sort of between september and november of 81. Right, so we're still two years away from being caught. Yeah, and his the um, clean up of the rented house was obviously sufficient enough to again raise no suspicion whatsoever. If the landlord wanted mm-hmm. him out to clean up.
0: Yeah, as I say, he, he was doing renovations, so whoever fine. he called in to go in there would have probably gone in and gone, oh, you know, place this is, stinks. This is horrible. Yeah, but yeah. there's no evidence of... No. ...of bodies or no, parts no, no, no. because he's burned it all in the garden.
2: And got rid of any, anything floorboard-y. Yeah, so
1: yeah. three bonfires in total, I think, and then just the parts are scattered across this... Yeah, literally all garden. over the place. Like, If you, know, you, did, if you had a bonfire now... <laughs>
2: People don't have bonfires basically now. No. Most it, boroughs are,
1: are smokeless Yes, so you exactly, yeah. Because of yeah. that.
2: But uh, you just people just had bonfires back yeah. then, didn't they? Yeah. yeah we all yeah, the we time. had we yeah, had bonfires. Just bonfire. just kind of not not every like Every November. Well, obviously yeah. that,
0: but the the that's, not that's the key, you so see. You wait you save them well, up for yeah, one yeah, yeah.
2: Bonfire night. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you can the, have a
1: bonfire every night for a week through yeah, yeah, November. Yeah. We
2: didn't um we didn't, you know, burn stupid things like tyres or anything but we had loads of <laughs> bonfires of just yeah, yeah get rid of waste. it yeah it's just the notion of piling up a load of whatever planks and bodies yeah <laughs> tyres and tyres paint pots of paint people used to chuck pots yeah, of paint, paint, of paint. <laughs> aerosols yeah I know yeah yeah, yeah. But anyway it again it was a, a, because of the era mm. could kind of just do it at no point would you would see various I mean I'm perhaps I'm making a bit much of it but yeah <laughs> bonfires everywhere the, um <laughs> on every street. my point is that no, at no point would someone say hang on what are you burning you know it's just a bonfire why's your bonfire I got feet yeah exactly <laughs> yeah.
0: well it's in his back garden it's not like was looking well apparently there were some children who observed one bonfire but they, but they didn't even, know what was in it to ooh. them
2: it's just ooh look fire yeah Tyre fire. Tyre fire fire. <laughs>
0: so in November 81, he there was, he tried to kill Paul Nobbs. Uh, he claimed he stopped
2: himself. and then from, no, killing. from killing That's him.
1: That's the first one at Cranley, isn't first it? The first one at yeah. Cranley Gardens.
2: Where, sorry, where's he moved to? It's um, Garden, flat? Muswell Hill. Yeah. flat. Right.
1: Okay. So it's in the top floor.
2: He needs a house, really, is not he? Hmm. Well, he's is, still working in the job centre. I mean, this center. is a serious it's practice. You center.
1: can't just carry it out at a flat. I know, that's
2: yeah. what I'm saying. I mean, he the, have devoted more time. He's still at the, the job centre. Still at the job centre until his arrest. But he, for some reason, rented a attic flat, which... Well, yeah.
0: it's what he could get. He had to move out of Cricklewood. And he moved right. in, in here. It would ultimately be his undoing. But, I mean, he, he himself said, you know, he'd go home, he'd have a meal, kill someone, go back to work. Really? Yeah, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially, yes.
1: So, so the the average sort of speed that he's killing people is roughly one every five months, which yeah. is quite. A, I mean, I, I'm I'm guessing that they were actually probably a lot denser and then longer gaps.
0: Yeah, I mean, like you say, that's an average. There were periods where he did many. Yeah. So, like between June and December '80, there were five, but then there was none for, a, for a, a month or so. And bearing in mind that each of these people is being kept. Yes, and, re- uh, and re- reused. Hmm. Yeah, reused. Yeah, reused yeah. ultimately. Yeah. He, you know, the whole point of it was he wanted their company yeah. and the, he was killing them so that they wouldn't leave him. But then he wanted, you know, now that they were dead, he still wanted their company. So he would sit with them, he would sleep with them. Yeah. I mean, you know, literally.
1: he would keep them as Emperor Ming said, you know, until such time as he grew weary of them. Well, hmm. right. And then he them.
0: Yeah. And then he burnt them. And ultimately that was just because of the, because they were too rotten to reuse. Oh, God. I mean, again, he'd say he'd lift it up the floorboards and then they would he'd have to brush off the maggots and things. Uh, he'd really, spray them with air the fresheners and yeah, things. Yeah. You know, it wouldn't have done a damn
2: thing. But Just, just air freshener?
1: Yeah. Not like Bug Killer? <laughs>
2: no,
0: no. To make it smellless. Well,
1: yeah. To cover the smell, sorry. Just like. to cover the, the yeah. smell. Yeah, the, the bin liners in the wardrobe, he just had parts in bin liners in his wardrobe and yeah. they just had... You know, those, um, those Glade? The, yeah, exactly. The white plastic. <laughs> How did I get air that? Air fresheners with the jelly strip inside them. Yeah, it just yeah, had yeah. those piled up on yeah.
0: top. Again, so that's that's the stages, isn't it? So the first stage is he's got a, a body, he reuses it for company. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, he gets beyond use. So he chops it up and puts it in bags and everything, and it's mm. all ready for disposal. He tried to boil parts away you know to, to help boil the, it down yeah, yeah. to yeah. render it you yeah. know. the bones exactly, exactly. Right. yeah, yeah. you
1: pull out all the wet organs because they're the bits that rot yeah and what's left becomes just dry meat yeah and bones i think i think he, he was um i remember seeing him interviewed with um one of the police and uh the policeman were saying oh doesn't it you know doesn't it all when you cut up the bodies isn't it all bleeding out on the floor doesn't make a horrible mess and yes. Nielsen was really kind of quite yeah, <laughs> quite yeah, nonchalant yeah. and going, what are you talking about? You know, no, you they just, don't bleed doesn't when they <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. yeah, it becomes um, like gelatinous. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like the blood yeah.
1: just becomes part of deals. the meat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't, Yeah, you know. So, uh,
1: well, here I am, doing science. The only thing you have to worry about is is the organs, because they hold a lot of moisture. So if you get those out, all you're left with is meat, like you'd find at a butcher's.
0: Yeah, meat and bones. mm
1: which is easy to handle.
0: Yeah, we've all done that. Yeah. So, uh, in March 1982, he meets John Howlett. Uh, John Howlett fought back. Right. So, he, uh, he himself tried to strangle Nilsson in turns. So he, he found Nilsson trying to attack him, tried to strangle him, as he, as he did. He tried to strangle him back. It took three attempts by Nilsson uh, before he finally managed to get him unconscious enough to drown him in the bath.
2: Oh, sorry. So he fought back, but didn't... But he didn't win. Right, sorry. Right, okay. I mean, it's not really classed as fighting back, really, is it?
0: Well, it, most of the time they were already... Uh, uh, they were asleep or, you know... Right, he, okay. uh, So in this... Yeah, in this instance, he reacted and reacted violently to no avail because um, Nilsson still got him. He was like, in and out of consciousness. But he kept breathing. Um, and then he'd wake up and then Nilsson would try again.
1: Right, so but this this account must have obviously been told by Nielsen.
0: Yes, most obviously most of this has come from him. Yeah,
1: but again, it's it's part of his whole
0: matter of factness, mm. just reciting. Well, this is what happened. This is how it was. This is quite dispassionate. There's no flowery language or anything. It's just this happened, that happened. He did this, I did that. I don't know if I'd remember. Well, considering he didn't remember their names. Yeah. I mean, this. The, but the point is that the, this act is what he remembers. This is the bit that was important to him
1: right yeah of course yeah
0: so he remembers all the details of that but he doesn't remember who they were that they're not important their identity yes, is not important
1: their yeah. physical
0: form was yeah but not this thing about so, uh, serial killers keeping trophies he he got rid of all their personal effects straight away to remove their identity because it's not about the trophy that, yeah, he yeah. kept was the body that was what he wanted to keep until he
1: couldn't keep it any longer because it was too rotten. he did say at one point he regretted not keeping trophies Yes. That he wanted, you know, he wanted something to remember them by. But that was you know, long after he was caught. Yeah, I don't know how true that really is, because you'd think after a few, you'd work out that you do want something. You yeah, know, it's not something you're going to think of. I mean, maybe just because he's not going to be killing any more people, he wishes he had something. You know, but again, I a,
0: suppose in the moment, he, he doesn't decide to kill anybody until the, he was in that moment. They were in the room that you know mm. he was getting people to come round for company. He yeah. to drink with them, to watch TV with them. You know listen to music with them yeah. it was only then and there when he said okay I'm going to kill this person now and then he would finally do that and then he had the body and then he would sleep with the body or pose the body or what have you and then he would keep the body at no point in that progression is there I need to take a remembrance mm. so he got rid of all of their stuff because he wanted to remove their identity but he still had them and he only had, then he had to get rid of them because they were decomposing and then there's no trophy left to keep so start again so you start over Uh, John Howlett, uh, in in a particularly gruesome detail, bearing in mind now you're in the upper floor attic flat, he, as you said, Rue, had to have his organs removed. They were flushed down the toilet. And the bones were left out with the bin bags.
2: And what, just taken away? Just taken away with the rubbish, yeah. Because, I mean, if they were in a bag, I suppose you wouldn't know, but if you... I mean, you're not going to be like... You're going to think, I don't know, chicken or... Hmm. Or something. Yeah,
0: a knack comes up as well. In a bit. Oh, OK. So in September of 82, Graham Allen, he's 27, he was uh, strangled while eating an omelette that had been prepared for him by Nielsen. Uh, he too was chopped up and flushed down the toilet. And it's his remains that would start to unravel the whole story, um, which I'll come back to in a second. So in January 83, Stephen Sinclair, 20, he's the final victim. He was strangled and dissected. He was kept, the parts of his body were kept in the tea chest and under the bath.
2: Well, what are we talking about? The dog?
3: So,
2: to... why, do, why are we talking about the dog? I mean, he had a dog. dog. See, oh. ar- arguably, you, a nice pet, kind of changes some people may think that it changes the way you look at the person. Oh, he had a nice... Oh, and it's got a really nice name, which it has. Mm. Bleep, mm-hmm. meaning. Uh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's a kind of. Um, it's a way of looking at it. It it's, to some people. Oh, he probably wasn't. He probably wasn't. That bad. He had a nice. <laughs> but yeah. but he uh, he was a, a kindly killer. Yeah. The um. But the dog
1: uh, helped
2: save a victim.
0: The dog it? saved a life.
1: Isn't isn't oh, saying isn't. that. He had a he had a pet, so he might be all right. A bit like saying, "Ah, but Bates loved his mum." <laughs> well, yeah, basically. <laughs> he, yeah,
0: he loved he loved his mum. He did so really much. Loved so he loved his mum. He became her.
2: <laughs> he's an animal
1: lover, but he's a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, he must have been a bastard because he didn't have a cat.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Says all the cat owners around the team. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I wonder why he was called Bleep? It's quite a good name.
0: Because he swore at him.
1: Yeah, what, did he? I don't know. Uh, I not. just made that up. I was or the <laughs> dog.
0: Yeah, the dog swore a lot. Yeah,
1: and why has nobody noticed the rather strange similarity between Bleep and Mister Pickles? Yeah, what actually? Yeah, um, they yeah, yeah the physically same. they look identical.
2: Yeah, right. I don't know that. And I've i not got this strange
1: like. theory that Bleep was actually responsible for all of the killings. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Yeah, they they know but they don't know. For those of you who don't know, Mister Pickles is a animation <laughs> of a dog that looks like
1: Bleep. And if you're not aware of it, go and check it. God, out. God, it's, it's bloody amazing, really, really
2: good slash disturbing.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, after the Bleep, the dog was put down. There were no more killings.
2: <laughs> no,
1: it suddenly stopped.
2: What? Um, he he, or she, literally saved a someone. they didn't.
0: Yes, uh, Carl it, it. Stotter. Stotter.
2: Carl Stotter. So Stotter was, um,
0: when he testified in court, um, he said that he fell asleep in a sleeping bag and he woke up to find that Nielsen was strangling him. That was, that was, he was lost in, you know, it was all a bit of a blur, but that, that's what he testified to. He thought Nielsen was trying to free him from the zip of the sleeping bag, um, which is what Nielsen was saying to him. Then he lost consciousness. Then he reawoke and found Nielsen was trying to drown him. Then he lost consciousness again at this point nielsen thought he was dead so he propped him up in a chair and then uh, bleep the dog started licking stotter's face and nielsen realized that actually he was still alive but instead of finishing him off he resuscitated him and he kept him in the flat for a couple of days nurtured him till he got better and then he took him to the railway station and let him go
1: home
2: and never saw him again
1: yeah but basically didn't Mm. yeah do him in yeah that wasn't the only one either There There was a few that had that experience
2: yeah yeah what with We're the dog
1: half killed and then well let yeah loose. let loose
2: oh sorry not all with the dog no no. there was
0: a couple and uh, you know and it wasn't until later on when he was arrested that they realised because everything's sort of a blur in and out of consciousness you know that they realised actually he was trying to kill them they didn't realise until he'd been arrested for, for, for
2: trying to strangle him he mm. went
1: unconscious but Carl went through therapy and they kept telling him oh no no this is just you made you it you up you just made it up he's just in your dreams it's not real who, yeah. who said that? Carl, Carl Stotter. Stotter. He, the therapist? No, no, Carl Stotter who, who he yeah, tried yeah, to kill. Yeah. The therapist has told him, oh, it's, you're, you're, yeah. it's just in your dreams, don't worry about it. Wow. Yeah. It's just bad dreams. Relax. <laughs> I think he's struggled with it for the rest of his life, really, that conflict. Yeah.
2: I'm not surprised.
1: Yeah. I mean, as dreams go, it's pretty horrible.
0: And then if he'd it turns never, out it's probably true. If he'd never
2: way. been... If the truth had never been revealed... And what he believed was that he was... He'd caught... I mean, how you strangle yourself with the zip of a... I mean, that's ridiculous. But anyway, he was told that. Never um, in
1: my years as a Boy Scout have I woken up throttling <laughs> myself with a sleeping bag. No. But certainly the, not with your head in a bucket of water.
2: If you're told something and you believe that, then not fine, but fine. Um, but the, the the. But the reason why he had a... The future anxiety is that he obviously found out the truth, yeah. meaning if he'd never, I don't know, never been caught or never been, if it was never told him, he perhaps wouldn't have. Yeah, it would have all been an anxiety dream
0: forever, mm-hmm. forever after.
2: Mainly that, because he was told it was. Because he
0: was told it, and of course yeah. Nilsson was master manipulator. We know that he was manipulating the his biographer and the police as well as all these people. You know, he tries to kill you and he says, "Oh no, it's not, it was you were caught in a zip." Oh, okay. Mm caught in a zip yeah
2: right those zip deaths of the (laughs) late 70s well yeah apparently
0: (laughs) now on the 8th of february 83 dino rod is called out because the drains are blocked oh
2: god right yeah
0: um so the engineer from dino rod he turns up sort of about dusk and he finds it blocked with all this bones and Yep. And uh, he calls his supervisor, and the supervisor and him agree they're going to go back the next day. Nilsson, being from the top, top flat, he's he's identified as the owner of whatever was flushed down the okay the yeah. thing. Um, he, his first suggestion was that someone probably threw their KFC away. Yep. And it was like chicken and chicken bones. Yep. To come back to your point.
2: Right, okay. But presumably the bones were quite big, but bigger... Well, probably finger bones. I was going to say yes. It has to be flushable. You couldn't flush a yeah, femur sure. down the
0: yeah. <laughs> down the lab. Yeah. So the supervisor and the engineer from Dynarod they decide they're going to go back the next day because it's dusk. When they get back the next morning, most of what was in the drain had been cleared out already. But they do find from and
1: the the Dynarod guy said it was sparkling clean, sparkling clean, thorough thorough drain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah. However, not so sparkling clean that they didn't still find some mm. bits and pieces. He now, stuck his arm up. He got through. right up in there, as they do. Yeah. And what they found, they were suspicious enough of to call the police. Oh,
2: okay.
0: Um, so the police came out and they discussed with the engineer, it? well, we think we've got some human remains. We think they've come from this top flat. They identified top flat belongs to one Dennis Nielsen. So the police decide they're going to hang around and wait for him to come home from work. So Detective Chief Inspector Peter Jay, um, he's waiting with a couple of his colleagues for Nielsen to come home. Nilsson turns up and DCI Jay introduces himself and says, Oh, hear about the block drains." Nilsson sort of, like, "When are the police interested in block drains?" Mm-hmm. So they said, "Well, you know, we, we can we come inside? Can we can we talk to you, etc." So they take him up to the flat. They want to talk about it further. They go in and they, immediately there's a smell. Uh, okay. Jay tells uh, Nilsson that they think they have found human remains blocking the drains outside, and Nilsson is like, "Oh my god, you know, it's terrible." And Jay says, "What for me is some immortal line." He yeah. um, says, "I don't like me about.
1: Where's the rest of the body?"
2: Okay.
0: And no, Nils- yeah. no Straight to yeah. the Yeah. And Nilsson says, "In the cupboard." Oh right.
2: Oh, the, <laughs> no okay. hesitation.
0: It's a, it's, that's one of the easiest investigations. And we found we found some human remains. Where is it? It's in there. Done. You're nicked. <laughs> okay. All right, all right. And then, so at this point, that's when they take him out to the car and they say, well, is there any other body parts in the, in the place? Um, and he says, it's a long story. Goes back. Years. Years, Years. yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you everything. Um, not here at the station. So they get him into the car and that's when they ask him, you know, how many bodies we talking yes. about? One or yeah, two? Yeah. And he says 15 or 16. Wow. Um, he's now under arrest on suspicion of murder and it's going to be, basically it's Graham Allen uh, is ultimately identified as, as whose remains are found in the drain, and then and Sincla- Stephen Sinclair, um, mm-hmm. his body is found in in the house. As they continue to search the the, the attic flat, mm-hmm. um, and in eleventh of February, uh, this is now like three days later, he's charged formally for the murder of Stephen Sinclair. Although by the time it gets to trial, they've got it up to six, six murders. Yes, yes. <laughs>
1: Victims were looked at as being kind of complicit in the crime in those days. You know, you're gay, therefore yeah. oh, right, right. your lifestyle promotes that kind of activity. You know, and and uh, is this is you talking, or the guy, <laughs> yeah, or, <laughs> the guy that <laughs> he was living with, or that lived with him for a, 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 well, on and off, and visited him almost daily for a yeah. few years. And Martin, can't remember his surname. The papers picked on anyone who was associated with it, like because. Being gay at the time was still considered. I mean, it was still illegal. Was it still illegal? No, sure.
2: No, not. no. It wasn't Late still. 60s.
1: It was just really socially unacceptable. Sure, yeah, and, yeah.
2: and it was a figure of. Fun, not figure of fun, but it was like, you know. Yeah, kind you'd of be ostracized and made Or yeah. made. On telly, it'd be all made fun of. Oh, have you seen him? Kind of. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah.
1: We're the victims of a foul disease called social prejudice, my child. And his friend Martin was, was kind of. Pretty much told by the press that he must have known about all these crimes. He must have, because he knew him for years. Yeah. Of course, you know about it. You're part of it, right? And was hounded, and his mother never spoke to him again. She died some later, years later because she never agreed having with spoke the to press. her son again because yeah, well, of thought, the pressure yeah, from the press. Why and, didn't he know?
2: Yeah. Right. Uh, okay.
0: Again, it's one of those tarred with the same brush situations. If yeah. you're in the, in the vicinity, then you must be a party to. And not all of the victims were homosexual either. No. So, but, you know, it's, again, not that that isn't, you know, right or wrong about it, but the fact of the matter is that because homosexuality was involved, then it was addressed by the right-wing papers as, you know, deserve it or something like that. Yeah. This is early 80s, we're talking, so it all came out in 1983. Um, Yes. You know, so it's kind of... You're coming out of the... the where in the 70s where it was outright ridicule and popular media of homosexuality.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a, certainly a sign of the times. You know, yeah, it's quite
2: a good, it's a, it's a good cultural of the time
1: thing yeah. to talk about. And shamefully, I mean, those same red tops and newspapers are still kind really having the same behaviour now that they did back then, but back then they did it much more openly. Yeah. Now uh, it's done with slightly more subtle language. But they're still hateful towards foreigners, people who aren't, yeah. you know, gender normative, you know, or socio normative.
0: Yeah, well, their their ultra conservative out outlook is balanced only by their, you know, yeah. inflammatory language. To in order to it, it, people are only interested in something that's you know, mm. lascivious or Exa- or, yeah, exactly.
2: or raises your ire, you know, so they make the most of it to get the ultimately, to get the headlines, to sell the pa- paper. Yeah, it's, um,
0: a, it's about the money. I mean, it's the, the opinion is second to the finances yeah,
2: of it. It is, really. It's the, the goal is to sell the paper, so therefore how can we make this sensationalist more sensationalist? Mm. When you see these kind of um, police photograph or something, or yeah, a crime, say, scene, uh, photograph, a crime, crime scene, scene photograph, photos, yeah. basically, your eye goes to any kind of thing to be read or a brand name. Yeah. And the first thing I look at is not, oh, my God, look at the hideousness of the horrible walls or whatever. It, I think, oh, look, there's a box of Ready Brick. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because that's just, well, as I say, your your eye goes to what you what yeah. you're you know, what you're familiar with. I used to love Ready Brick. Um, <laughs> get get Up and Glow. Yeah. Uh, and then the slightly more chilling um, central heating for kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had ready brick. We didn't have that. We had porridge. Ready brick was essentially too the basically the same. Yeah, with lots too of sugar. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's too manufactured um, in the sense of, yes, yeah. all, all the stuff. Quaker all, oats. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, but yeah. then
0: I'd add loads of sugar to
2: it. <laughs> so it's basically ready brick.
0: But also the mindset is, you know, you're looking at, you're in someone else's house, so you're just snooping yeah. around. You're looking at their
2: stuff. Yeah, yeah, you're looking oh, yeah. for things that are familiar. Yeah, yeah. That that are. and everything's ooh, look at having that. seen the photograph, I everything's those curtains. Everything's very dull. Yeah, yeah, uh, coloured, apart from this bing little box of uh, cereal. Mm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's quite a few things from Sainsbury's as well in there. Yeah, like Sainsbury's cheese triangles and what are you trying to
2: say? They have got a lot Condense to answer beer. for, I reckon. <laughs> Sorry, right, so we're, so we're at, are we at trial now?
0: Yeah, so the date we're talking about, 24th of October 1983, so Nilsson's finally brought to trial. He's charged with six counts of murder and two of attempted murder.
2: What's the t- Sorry, what's the time difference between arrest and trial?
0: Um, February he was arrested.
2: Okay, so um, as far as what appears to be massive serial killer murder cases go... Because he was arrested and then told them everything, presumably it was quite a quick process.
0: Yeah. Was it? Yeah. I mean there were two things that took time. One was that they were trying to identify the victims. Because very remember again that Nilsson, although he was very open about circumstances and, you know, what happened and when, he couldn't remember who the people were. Yes. They, you know, so identity wasn't be. what was important to him. So they were spending a lot of time and money basically investigating who they were yes, talking it wasn't,
2: about. It wasn't as if he, the investigator was trying to just, or find out and justify that so-and-so, so-and-so, specific name, is actually missing and was killed. Yeah. It's the fact that they didn't have a name.
0: Yeah, exactly. And the second thing that took the time was that they were trying to prepare the case for more um, indictments. For so more room for yeah more because right, okay. originally in in he was char- in February he was charged, and in May he was committed to trial um in terms of Stephen Sinclair, but by the time we got to October they had f- more accounts that's what they were trying to build a case around how many charges they could bring against him and so the, the identifying the victim and coming up with the evidence mm. were, were going hand in hand they were they were what took the time. Those two reasons.
2: And, and it, was cla- he was, it was classed to the fact that he had pleaded guilty to everything, had he? Well, he,
0: he wanted to plead guilty. He said he was going to plead guilty. Um, but on the advice of his counsel, his second counsel, his first counsel he'd fired three times. Yep. His second counsel, who was one uh, Ralph Heems, he pleaded finally not guilty because of um, diminished responsibility. Hmm. So the argument at trial was basically, should it be murder or manslaughter? Was he capable of making the decision to kill? I mean, in, in layman's terms, defense is saying uh, he didn't know he was committing a crime and the Crown, the prosecution, was saying this doesn't mean you're any less responsible. You st- you still did it. Uh, exactly. So yeah. the argument is that if you say, oh, it's murder because you you the, the, the intention behind murder is not that you believed you were committing a crime. The intention is you wanted to kill. Yeah, his intention was to kill, whether he thought that was the right thing to do or not. So that was the argument, and that's why he was found guilty.
2: Yeah, I mean, quite, quite rightly,
0: right, yeah. but yeah, quite right too. Um, and obviously, in with all the, the body parts in evidence and the testimony of um, of him, of himself, his own testimony, mm-hmm. but also Nobbs and Stotter you know, who has survived.
2: Yeah. Um, Did that Andrew Ho? Come back around, or was no, because he was one who decided to not.
1: He was a foreign student, so charges. he was back home. Oh, okay,
0: right, yeah. Um, but again, most of the back and forth was like psychiatrists and things attesting to is whether this should be murder or manslaughter. Basically, the whole trial was pretty much about that, but yeah, he was found guilty. And again, it's all part of this calm, matter of fact approach he had to everything that did, didn't stand him and he stared in the dock either. Um, one of the things he said in one of his statements um, which was read out in court was Nielsen had said um, I have no tears for my victims I have no tears for myself or those bereaved by my actions so literally he didn't care about any anything oh, okay. um, which obviously they read out in court because it was quite damning yeah
2: of course yeah.
0: so he's convicted um, sentenced to life imprisonment and recommended that he serve a minimum of 25 years in 1994, the Home Secretary, who was Michael Howard at the time, changed it to a whole life order, which basically means he would never be released from prison. Okay. Um, which apparently, according to reports, Dennis Nielsen was perfectly happy to accept. He never appealed any of his convictions. He's probably safer inside, isn't he? Probably. So he was a Category A prisoner, so he basically he had access to music and
1: books and things like that. I didn't know that he wrote lots of poetry towards the end
0: yeah he um, he did poetry he did um,
1: because he wrote quite profusely
2: didn't he he
0: yeah he painted he composed on keyboards
2: (laughs) I (laughs) killed (laughs) my son
1: (laughs) I always like to think that he had a Casio VL tone (laughs) of course
0: yeah, well, well this,
1: we're talking about British prison system, so
0: yeah, all the way up to
1: 2018 it probably
3: was.
1: <laughs> you could have played da-da-da on it.
0: Nelson was taken from prison in full Sutton to York Hospital with stomach pains. He had a an aortic aneurysm, which was repaired, but he s- subsequently had a blood clot. Um, and he died a couple of days later apparently in agony, writhing in his own filth. And it couldn't have to do a nicer look. Mm.
2: What year was this?
0: 2018.
2: Well, was it really? Yeah. I didn't oh. know it was that recent. Yeah. No,
0: I didn't the know you it was that so recent. No. Age of 72.
2: Wow. I don't remember that. See no. Those being headlines. I mean, I'm sure they were, but perhaps not headlines. Perhaps they were...
0: Yeah, well, I imagine. Age. I haven't looked, but I would say someone like The Sun, or one of the Red Tops, mm would have had, you know, probably a headline, probably the headline say Notorious Serial Killer Dies in Prison, or something like that. But then, you know, it would have been the news for the day and then moved on to something else. (laughs) So there's been, obviously there's been a lot of, like, documentaries about him as a notorious serial killer. There's been one uh, noticeable... Film in um, 1989, uh, movie "Cold Light of Day." Mm. It's uh, won an award at the Venice Film Festival,
2: and that was a B- English British production, was it? Yes,
0: or? yeah. Who was who was in it? Um, Do we know an actor named Bob Flag mm. played Dennis Nelson?
1: Right, he's <laughs> physically is an quite a good casting, movie. was yeah. it? Yeah, I mean he looks like Limp. Well, a speaking
2: great. of good cast, I haven't seen it, but the very aptly timed. Latest dramatization starring David Tennant. It appears to be incredibly well cast, but I, you've yeah. s- you've seen
0: it. Mm. I've seen it yeah. so this is a new three- part uh, dramatization um, on ITV in the UK. David Tennant, former doctor who is is frankly astonishing as Nilsson, He's very, very good. It's a great series. fantastic mm. series. It plays up this whole what we talked about, um, this whole matter of factness yeah. about his character, and it's it's very good at. It. But he would, I mean, he acts matter of fact, but he's very manipulative. Obviously, this is how he managed to get so many people back to his. Yeah, like, he's um, quite kind of frank and arrogant. Yeah,
2: because in what work. he enjoyed, let's face it, he was quite successful. Hmm.
0: Yeah, and as I say, remember this 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 man is uh, someone who sacked his own defence lawyer three times and. Re- Fired him the same person him. yeah yeah okay. and then and then got another one so he he knows best put it that way right, right. and he bullied his his um, earlier partner you know he's he's the man in charge he's the controller he knows what he's doing so he's a very forthright and matter of fact as we've said but um, yeah he, and he's ably portrayed by David Tennant I say and the remaining the rest of the cast as well very very good one of the things that um, is brought to bear is the portrayal of Brian Masters Brian Masters Interviewed Nelson after his arrest, and uh, he wrote his biography, and his biography, *Killing for Company*, which came out in 1995. Um, there's been a lot of biographies, you know, or studies, afterwards, but that was the one that was. Uh, it was interviewed at the time with the, with the killer.
1: It was um, came out a quite high critical acclaim, didn't it? I think? Yes, at the time
0: definitely now nelson wrote his own biography he autobiographed himself and it was in prison in prison on 10,000
1: w- notebooks in really tiny text <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, on the wall in his own ship now there was a ruling um, in 2003 that his o- autobiography could never be published yeah it was confiscated I mean, and he no. wouldn't give it back now he he appealed against that to the royal courts of justice but they no. in an attempt to overturn the ruling but well, he yeah, didn't succeed quite right yeah, so we'll never... There are extracts available on the internet, but, uh, yeah, it will never be published and I don't really want to know. So no. there you go. <laughs> That's all for this time. If you want to know more about what we've discussed over the course of this episode, just Google it or something. You can see daily true crime updates on our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. You can email us or you can support the show with a PayPal donation. And links to all of those are on our website, at truecrimediary.co.uk Don't forget to send us a review or post one in your podcast service if you can, and all five-star reviews will get a shout-out on a future episode. Join us next time, when we'll be similarly discussing and digressing on another event in true crime history. Until then, my thanks to and Rue. my name's Mark and we'll see you on the next date in our True Crime Diary.